Welcome to the Modern Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating specialist, and health at every size advocate. Cozy up with me each week for empowering conversations with ambitious women as we share real stories around our relationships with food, body, and moving through life in the modern world. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. If you're listening to this on a Tuesday, if you're not, I hope you're having a happy day. And I am going to just jump right in and tell you about, first of all, I'm going to tell you why I'm so obsessed with this interview that I'm about to share with you. My my friend, Beth Weinstein, and she's also a colleague of mine, a business colleague of mine. She's such an incredible speaker, and she really brings her story to life. And so I think that um, you're really going to enjoy just the way that she tells her story around her relationship with food and her body. And this conversation, like almost all of them, really surprised me. I, I really didn't know much about Beth before I had this this talk with her. We met about two months ago, and she knew that I was interviewing ambitious women about their relationships with food and their bodies and really diving deep into their stories, women who were open to having vulnerable conversations like that, and she told me that she had a story to tell. And, oh, wow, this is a really, really great story and so spot on for what so many of us struggle with. We dive into the concept of exercise, over-exercise, using movement to manipulate our body in a really, really harmful way without even realizing it sometimes. And this is an extreme example. This is not to say that um, this is something that you might be struggling with. I, I really want to introduce this topic to you to help you pause and reflect and and think about your relationship with movement and um, just the joy that comes out of it and the intention and all of these things. And you'll see when we get into the conversation, but we Beth really peels back a lot of layers that we just don't really talk about in terms of our relationship with movement and also her journey on finding movement that feels really good because exercise is so important, but we so often manipulate the importance of it into disordered ways, sometimes without even realizing it. And so it's a very honest conversation. I hope that you like it. Let me tell you a little bit about Beth before we dive in. So Beth Weinstein is a spiritual business coach and Beth helps current and aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, spiritual leaders, and healers align with their purpose and the growth of their business so that they can help more people create consistent income and have a thriving business working on their own terms from anywhere on earth. And so she's got a, a lot of expertise in business development and, and helping her clients launch businesses and is super adventurous herself. So I know I already shared a little bit about what we dive into in this conversation, but 
Just to give you a recap, we talk about the ups and downs of Beth's journey with running and the running community. We talk about the process of tuning into how movement and food feels for her body, addiction to healthy things, and disguising disordered habits. Uh, We really uncover an injury that changed her perspective on her body and how it led to who she is now. It's super juicy. We talk about Beth's spiritual journey to strive for balance in life, the power of shifting your mindset to recognize the intentions behind our actions, and also her constant practice of looking inward and tapping into her intuition. It's a really powerful conversation. I hope you enjoy. I hope you're staying well through all of the shifts that are going on in social distancing right now. And as a reminder, if you do need any support, please click the show notes and you will find a food freedom guide that has three powerful exercises to really help you begin repairing your relationship with food and hearing and feeling your hunger fullness cues, as well as just gentle nutrition tips to help you feel more empowered around your meals and throughout your day. It's a guide that I made with love from me to you. And I really, really hope that you take advantage of um, beginning to incorporate some of those things into your life. If you need a little bit of extra support, I would encourage you to book a food freedom breakthrough call with me. And this is really going to be an opportunity for us to get laser focused on what is keeping you stuck in terms of your relationship with food and your body and how to get unstuck. So you can click the link in my bio to schedule that with me. It's complimentary. If I think that you might be a great fit in terms of the work that I do, I will invite you into um, more information on how I actually support clients. If not, it's a really great opportunity to get some clarity around the, the root cause of a lot of the food body struggles you might be experiencing and some tips for how to step forward so that you can begin healing this so that you don't have to live with the struggle all of the time. All right, this is our conversation for today. I hope you enjoy. I hope you stay well and I'm sending you so much love. All right, awesome. So can you just start by telling us your first body awareness moment. So that moment where you really realized I'm in a body and this means something in the culture that I'm living in right now. It's so interesting because, um, so I have spent my whole life growing up playing sports. Um, when I was a kid, there was this pivotal moment where I was kind of forced to play piano and I hated it. And when I was finally allowed to quit piano, I took up soccer and softball and I grew up in California. So the weather was always nice. And so I grew up being very body aware. I used to get injured a lot, you know, twisted my ankle like countless times. And I played sports pretty much year round. And when I was older, you know, I, I kept playing sports all the way through until college And in college, when I actually did that dip of like, okay, now I'm in college and there's no teams and I wasn't, you know, wasn't good enough to be on a college team. I actually, I don't remember how I got into it, but I think it was requirement in my school to take PE in my college. And I ended up taking um, a weight training class (laughs) and it actually ended up changing my life. It was probably one of the best classes I had in college. And, you know, I really 
for the first time started understanding, even though I'd studied anatomy and physiology in high school, like anybody, you know, I started actually connecting all the dots of like, oh, well, this is how the body works. And like, when you do this, it, it affects this and this and this. And, um, and after college, you know, it was kind of the same thing. I moved to New York City and I needed to be active. Like I've just always been active. I need to move my body. And um, I, I've told this story a lot, how in New York, it's a, it was a thing in your 20s to just go out and get drunk all, all the time. And that was pretty much everybody's pastime. And I remember, you know, my first couple of years, I was like, well, I need to do more than just like go to the gym occasionally and then go out and get drunk and work because that's like what everybody did. And so I took up running and um, I kind of accidentally took it up. Like I actually hated running, even though I grew up playing a ton of sports that involved running, but I hated being forced to just like run. And I do remember this moment that actually ended up kind of changing my life like in so many ways where there was a group of people at my job who decided to do this 5k walk run and we signed up to do the walk and I was like okay we all meet in Central Park and we do this walk and I remember there was this point during the walk where I saw everybody running in front of me and then there was a whole bunch of people walking and I was like well why don't I just try running like it just looked like more fun and I tried running and I just kept going and I had never actually calculated the longest distance I'd run before because, you know, I'd play sports and I never knew like how much I ran. Um, and I remember during that run feeling my body, like really feeling like I finally understood what they meant by like, ooh, endorphins or runner's high. And this was only like 5k, which really isn't that much. And um, I remember towards the finish area, like that final stretch, feeling like this elation of, like I felt like I was at a party. <laughs> like, um, like I used to go out dancing a lot and I was like a raver back in the days. And, <laughs> and I remember I was like, wow, this running thing feels like the same way that I used to feel from dancing and from like going out to a club and having fun with friends. And I remember just really tuning in to how good it felt and how it, it changed, you know, it changed my perspective. It changed how I felt about life. It changed, you know, um, what I felt about running. Like I hated running so much, but there I was like, wow, this running thing, there's something to it. And so from that moment on was when I think I started paying attention to how my body felt. And I also, at the time I had this boyfriend who I, you know, when we first met, I thought he was kind of weird and crazy. Um, of course I fell in love with him anyways. And, um, but I remember he was the first guy where like back in my twenties, like any young kid, I would eat whatever I wanted. Like I never really had a weight, major weight issue, but I was eating the like $2 pizza and the carton of ice cream and the, like muffins in the morning and drinking like a gigantic thing of coffee. Like I just lived off of whatever food was available when you were like 22 and barely making money. And I remember at the time he started pointing out, how does it make you feel? Like he, he said, cause I remember he was the first person I had ever met who like said he, he didn't eat pizza because he didn't like how it made him feel afterwards. And I was like, what? And I remember like I started noticing cause he would make comments like just about himself and I started paying attention. I was like, wow, actually he's right. Like every time I eat a gigantic burrito, I feel tired afterwards. Or, you know, why am I getting gassy after eating a carton of ice cream? You know, like, mm -hmm. and so 
that it was the moment combined with like starting to take up running and also having more awareness around like the food that I eat and how it actually affects like my mood, my work, my brain. It was just like this major awakening. And from that point on, it's been like a massive journey. <laughs> but that was like in my, that was a long, I, like I'm in my early forties. So that was 20 years ago. Um, really interesting, but I never knew exactly what was happening until later. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that story so much. And I'm, I just want to go back a little bit if it's cool with you and talk yeah. about your childhood and playing sports and what was your relationship with your body? Like when you were growing up and what kind of family dynamics did you have at that time? Did you hang out with any friends who were doing the whole body comparison thing or talking mm. about different diets? Was it a conversation topic in your family? How was, was that even mm. on your radar at all when you were growing up? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I grew up in California and I grew up playing sports. So, you know, for a while there was never any like issue. I do remember though, there were, there was this point in the eighties and I don't remember how old I was, but I remember, I think it was when there was this big boom of diet foods coming out mm -hmm. like diet coke diet pepsi microwaves had just come out and gotten big um there were all these like lean cuisine type things and my mom did the whole diet thing mm. and my mom was never really overweight but she had had two kids and whatever like could probably lose a few pounds but she was never like big and i remember she just went into that whole like 80s diet thing where she would drink diet coke all the time and eat frozen foods and even though she would cook these regular meals for us and for the most part we ate like very balanced and healthy ish you know like i was raised without like you know cookies were a special occasion thing they were not a regular thing like we never had dessert unless it was like just once in a while it wasn't mm. a daily thing and we never had sweets around the house um but i remember the diet food thing i was like okay, that was, that had an effect on me. I was like, well, what's this whole diet about? Like, why is she always dieting? And it wasn't just a one-time diet. It was like many years, you know? So there was that. And then, um, my father, who was also, he was always very tall and thin and fine. He at one point got diagnosed with like high cholesterol, which ran in the family, you know, like genetics. And he went on this other, like the opposite spectrum <laughs> of like, now I'm not going to eat any dairy, any eggs, any meat, any oil, any, any, because back then there was so much, you know, the information was very different than what it is today. So then my dad went on this like totally weird, you know, like he was eating like replacer, like fake eggs, replacer eggs and fake, fake milk and like all this weird, like low cholesterol foods and yeah. You know, and so I think that just started waking up something in me, like, what's all this weird eating stuff? Um, and then, you know, as I got older, I remember there, I never had body issues until I remember there was this one point in fifth grade or sixth grade, something like that. I think one of the two, a friend of mine who lived in the neighborhood had a, like a pool party and he had this like big birthday. And I remember it was the first time where I actually like stopped and was like, well, wait a second, how... Like, I think someone maybe had said something to me about like being in a bathing suit. And mm -hmm. it was the first time where I was like, oh, is my body okay? But I like, I, and I never thought about it because I just ate whatever. And like, I, we were not unhealthy. Like we were not 
extreme in any way. Like I was just raised very, like very normal foods. Um, I was also like a super picky eater. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like most foods out there either. Um, but I do remember having this awareness of like, oh, is my body okay? Is it normal? Like, what does everyone else look like? And then starting, then starting the comparison of like, okay, what is considered good and what's considered bad? And, but luckily, you know, the one thing that I always think was a saving grace is that I played a lot of sports. And I do remember, like, I played field hockey and I played softball. And, you know, there were always a couple bigger girls on those teams. Like, it's just, you know, it's like, there's always a couple big bone women. And, you know, they were never, there was never an issue. They were actually some of the best players, you know, and it was actually you know, there was never judgment around the being the one heavier girl. So like, I never grew up thinking like anything was wrong with me. I just thought like, Hey, I just want to be in good shape to play sports and that's it. And I never thought about my actual body until like later on when, you know, like magazines and fashion and, you know, like at a later, like teenage years or even college. But, um, yeah. Can I, yeah. Can I ask yeah. you a question about that? Because I think that those moments, the one that you're just describing, like the magazine starting to come yeah. into your mailbox and just that awareness and that conversation beginning to raise within your circle of friends or just community or just coming into your life in some way, shape or form. Can you, can you talk about that and that pivot in your life? And when you started to, to really notice, Hey, this, why is this all of a sudden so important um, or however it was resonating with you? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's, I don't remember like one moment. I do remember it kind of gradually happened. I think, you know, as a teenager, I started getting into like fashion and culture and like Mm -hmm. I started going to dance clubs at a very young age. Like I would go to youth dance clubs and then I would go to dance clubs as an underage kid, like 16 year old going to 18 or 21 year old, you know, or up. And so I started getting really involved in the cultural, like, you know, dressing a certain way and, you know, looking a certain way. And I think it was just more, it was, it felt like more just ingrained. Um, and I never remember, like, I remember questioning a lot, like, okay, am I a little overweight or is my butt too big or how do I look? Or like, you know, back then it was like, oh, I need bigger breasts and, you know, like, but I don't remember ever letting it really get to me until actually an older age to like, um, maybe my twenties. Like I, I actually used to work in the fashion industry. Oh, which, no way. Yes. Where did you work? I did too. Where did you Oh gosh. <laughs> I, so I started at, um, back then it was actually called a different company, but it was like Macy's, like mm-hmm. the Macy's group. Like I was basically, I spent most of my career doing product development, um, in, you know, corporate office, but yeah. I had done retail before that. I'd been like buying and merchandising for a little while. And I think just, yeah. And then I went to work for, um, I eventually ended up working for Rebecca Taylor, who's a oh designer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I worked for a bunch of companies in between, but I think it was working in that industry was when it really like, especially working for that high end, like a, you know, a high end designer that did fashion shows. Like I remember not caring so much, but I do remember being hyper aware of like every ounce of fat on my body. Like that was, cause I got to the point where I was like, okay, by then I was doing like body fat tests and working out six days a week and mm-hmm. running marathons and 
you know, weight training and, and dieting and cleansing and doing, that's where things started getting really unhealthy was that age of like, you know, like I would say it was like mid twenties through like just a few years ago, <laughs> like, mm. you know, like being in relationships, being with guys, being single, being single in New York city, like New York city is, you know, it's probably like, I mean, it's pretty much like everywhere. Like there's, you're just surrounded by these women and like fashion and skinniness and, you know, people are like doing really unhealthy things to lose weight. And I think these days things have changed a lot, thank God. But you know, for many years, it was like, it was kind of like the society, like ingrained all this stuff into me. And then it hit a certain point in my twenties where it was like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. And then it was just years of the roller coaster, like up and down and up and down and up and down. And even oddly, even within, like I started doing, and I never did this for my body. I did it for fun, but I was doing like multiple marathons a year and running ultra marathons and very entrenched in the running community. Like I actually had my own running apparel brand at one point. And it was really interesting to even be around women like me and my friends, like women who are running multiple marathons a year and still bitching about their bodies mm -hmm. and still being hard on themselves. Like, and if it wasn't their bodies, and I, I know because I, I was one of them, like if it wasn't like, oh, I gained like three pounds, it would be like, um, you know, like, oh, I should run that 10 seconds faster. Like we would just, and it's, it's all the same psyche of never being good enough. And constantly like, like I actually saw people, it was like, it would get to a point of like almost unhealthy running or unhealthy. And this is actually, I've, I've totally changed my lifestyle completely because I started seeing these patterns of it was almost unhealthy addiction to something that was, was disguised as being healthy. Like, Oh, running 10 marathons a year is fine. Yeah. But it actually became, it became just another form of a disorder. And I saw this, I started seeing it around some of my good friends. Like I was friends with a woman who I, I love her dearly, but man, she was running like hundred mile races multiple times a year and complaining about the, the fat on her stomach. And she, if I showed you her body, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, she's so cut, like she's pure muscle. And she would still like, make comments about her stomach. And I was like, okay, this is actually unhealthy. <laughs> and it just started to hit me over the years where I was like, this is just a different way of disguising a disorder, mm -hmm. you know? And that's where I started seeing this actually a lot in the ultra running community of like, it's just, it's, it's almost like very like drug addiction, you know, like I actually compare it to a different, I mean, and ironically, a lot of those extreme sports tend to bring in a lot of ex addicts, like a lot of ex alcoholics, ex addicts, because it's, it's a new form of addiction. And that's when I just really started saying like, oh my God, all of this is not working. <laughs> like none of this extreme, anything works. I am just going to start the full self-compassion path. And I have been the healthiest ever, ever since then. Go figure. And that's what you teach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, thank God you had that light bulb moment and that realization. I'm really curious about two things that you just shared that I think are super fascinating. And one of the connections that I can really see in your story is growing up and playing all of these team sports and mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm sure just from the way that you described, just feeling like you are part of something, feeling like you are part of that community and almost like that family and that female empowerment where you didn't really have to focus on your body because it was so ingrained in your life that it was mm-hmm. probably an easy way to just feel comfortable because there was so, phys- so much physical movement regularly that mm. you almost didn't have to really pay that much attention. Yeah. And then transitioning that into a new discovery of that type of community again, after you kind of drank the Kool-Aid of, oh, the body thing and the diet mm-hmm. aspect of our culture and how I'm feeling and the euphoria of, of running and all of these different components kind of going into one. Yeah. Um, and having that connection with what you already experienced as a kid growing up, like that is, that's really fascinating to me yeah. because there's so many dynamics that seem to be overlapping for you. Is, oh yeah. Would you say? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a journey and it was a lot of, um, you know, and I've, I've seen this actually happen with a lot of those friends, like people who were in that, the running culture with me where um, something would happen like for me, it took like a massive injury that took many years to cure to actually mm-hmm. wake me up and snap me out of the illusion mm-hmm. and, and the patterning, you know? And I also, I actually started to get a lot of like really deep visions with this, with like, I work with plant medicine and I was like, oh my God, it's, it's all just a form of like, it's, it's deep psychic, like it's in your psyche. And I started putting together all the different puzzle pieces and it took many years and once I started seeing it clearly that I was like, well, wait a second, this is just a different way of like destroying my body and like not loving myself and not having compassion and, and not being in balance. Like I, I now try to take the, the, you know, like take the approach of like Chinese medicine, which is like everything in moderation, like everything in balance. Like we're yeah. supposed to be balanced humans, like, you know, masculine, feminine, but like pounding your body into the ground to the point where I used to think that if I'm not in pain, I'm not getting a good workout. Oh, like, yeah. And that only, that only went away a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, I just went to the gym and I'm not hurting. That means it wasn't a good workout. Yeah. And if I didn't run a marathon and like push it so hard during the marathon, it wasn't good enough, you know? Yeah. Well, if I came in like 20 seconds slower than I wanted to, I would be crying. Like that's just, effed up. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really interesting too, because of the community aspect around it as well. And being able to be a part of that where you probably weren't the only person having those thoughts and having that type of conversation. And so then it just becomes like this vicious cycle and very normal in that sense, because it's all around you, would you say? normalized and not only that but um yeah and this is actually there was I remember there was one point where I was like something is wrong here (laughs) like it was it people definitely normalized this this kind of way of being like the psyche but it also um you know there was also this disorder to it where like you know like so what happened to me was i started seeing certain friends of mine get like massive injuries like yeah. one guy for example who was very entrenched in like triathlons ultras like you know like 
COO of a company, like really successful guy. Cause it's all, we're all very similar. We're all yes. very type A driven, hard <laughs> pushing. He got this injury that was so bad that it was his back and his spine. And they said, if you don't quit, there's a possibility that you're going to be paralyzed. And I was like, oh damn, like this is serious. So he took up swimming instead. And, you know, I could tell, like, I talked to him, I was very good friends and it, it was really, it has a lot of psychological effects. Like he got depressed, you know, like he felt disconnected from the community. He couldn't yeah. go on group runs anymore. And it's, it's definitely, and that's where I started to see these things. And like, and he was only one example of many, many situations I saw where people were like, there was another girl who, again, an ultra runner who was doing extremely well, like placing in the top, you know, five at an ultra marathon. She was younger than I was and had to have a hip replacement. Like, that's when I was like, oh my God, this, this can't be good. But yes, the community, like, the psyche, it's like the, the hive mind of like everybody with similar psychological issues. Like we all have the same patterning problems, you know, or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like, it becomes reinforced. Yes. But I think what happened is some people would start to snap out of it when they witness like their good friend having a hip replacement or there's, you know, there's multiple stories of like, trail runners being killed on the trails like i mean are people being found in ditches or um you know like people having like massive heart attacks at a race like there's a way to run healthy and then there's a way to overdo it you know and then when i started seeing friends that were younger than me having to have back surgeries and hip replacements i was like okay something and then i got a massive injury that was a deep psychological wake-up call to start looking at my life a lot differently. And that's what did it for me. And that was five years ago. And ever since that five-year journey, and it's even now it still comes up, but now when it comes up, I actually know what it's connected to. And I can stop and like, take a look at my life and see what I'm doing and do things differently. But that five-year journey has been extremely deep and, and very like tough, like, and, and I, I mean, I've talked to multiple doctors, even my acupuncturist, you know, when you, when you live your whole life around, like, I am an ultra runner, or I am a marathon runner. And this is what I did. Like, this was part of my social life. Like, this is what I did for fun. Like I went for 20 mile runs with a group of friends. Like that was my partying, you know, like, mm -hmm. of course I still partied, but you know, that was a huge part of my life. Yeah. And when that's taken away from you in an instant, it's like, you can actually sink into like a massive, like I, I know someone else who was addicted to painkillers after an injury. Like yeah. he went into, he like lost his job and lost his home. Like things can spiral really dark and that's what it took. Yeah. Yeah. It's an identity. And that's what it took for me to wake up and be like, well, wait a second maybe it's actually just the way I'm, I'm like running my entire life. And it actually represented so much more around like my way of being in life in general, but it was a damn deep journey. And it also really woke me up to this idea of like, well, wait a second. What if I just like loved my body as is and like get, kept it healthy and balanced and like didn't pound it into the ground because I felt like I had to, but actually just went for a run because it felt good. Yeah. What yeah. was the injury that you experienced? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> the injury of my lifetime. So I am um, back in 2015. And of course it totally represents like a really significant time in my life. I, I had been running like again, multiple marathons a year and doing a few ultras. And 
I remember I was working really hard. Like I actually had a running clothing business, ironically. And I'd been working my ass off quite literally, just working all the time. And I had also gotten very cocky around my running. Like, oh, I don't need to train because I'm already, like I'm already trained. Like I just would show up and run a marathon and I never really trained for a marathon because I would just do 16 mile runs like on a typical Saturday morning. So I went to run an ultra in May and I don't know what happened. I think I was just under, I basically was overworked and undertrained. And I, I mean, to this day, like I, I don't like, I've actually never had an MRI on it, but I basically tore my hamstring. Um, but it started out very small and I had actually had a similar injury years before and I like many, many years before. And I was like, Oh, I know how to fix this. So I went and did, and this is who I was. I was the kind of girl that would go to yoga and like, not just do yoga, but like, like I had to do the extreme, you know, like stretch as far as you can until it hurts and you're shaking kind of yoga, like competitive yoga. And, um, and so I started doing like really hard yoga and like lots of foam rolling. And I actually made what I ended up doing was making the injury worse while I thought I was trying to make it better. I was actually worsening it. And then I went to run another ultra in August and it was the first race where I actually dropped out. Like the first real, like I've dropped out a couple small stupid races, but it was the first major race. It was actually the Burning Man Ultra of 2015. And um, I was like really devastated, but I was also like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. And I also had the New York City Marathon that year which was only like two and a half months later, three months later. And so I dropped out of the 50K halfway through and um, decided to like chill out so I could run the New York City Marathon. And I had already run the New York Marathon multiple times. Like it was to me like, ah, it's just another year. But that year I had this like major target goal. Like this is the year that I'm gonna hit this one number at the New York City Marathon. I've never hit this, this you know, like my time my PR. And so I was like super determined and I was a mess and I ran the marathon anyways. And it was like the most painful marathon of my life. And, um, I remember I had to have my friend, my friend met me at like mile 20, like, I think it was like 21 or 22. And it was the first time where I was like, I remember I was on like fifth Avenue and I was like, I think I'm just going to take the subway home. And she's like, like I was dying, like my legs were about to like cave and I had never had that happen before where I was like, it was hurting and I knew I was injuring it worse. Like I knew, I knew I shouldn't have been running it, but I was like, but I'm here, I've been training. This is my, probably my last New York City Marathon for a long time. I got in like, I remember I got in like as a fluke, like somehow, like I didn't even try to get in, but I got in. Um, and I pushed through to the end anyways. And of course I was like 20 minutes slower than my target. And I was just like, oh my God. And, but from that point on, I was like, it was like, I couldn't even sit without pain. So it was just such a journey. And that was the last marathon I've ever run. And it probably is the last marathon I've ever run. Wow. Cause now I just don't see the need. I, you know, I've done 19 marathons and 10 ultras and traveled all over the world doing them. So yeah, but yeah, <laughs> deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have a question that I want to ask you before I kind of pivot this into more of how you live your lifestyle now and self-compassion and that, yeah. that whole process. But you mentioned something that really stuck out to me, having this running business and 
<laughs> having this identity as a runner and this community that you've completely submerged mm -hmm. yourself into talk to talk to me about that like what was what was going on in your mind at that point in terms of feeling the need to be a representation of the business that you were building and just the the overlap of your lifestyle or, or if that was a thing at all for you yeah. does that make sense yeah no it does because it actually was a thing it was um it was really interesting because and i see this now like as a very deep spiritual path like this whole you know everything happens for a reason this happened to me or for me um you know, I had been working really, like I had run this business since 2013 and I shut it down really like a year ago, um, give or take like a year and a half ago. Um, and I had loved it at first, but I had started to, I think I was just burning myself out with it so much that I was kind of starting to resent it and like, oh my God, if I, like, I can't write about running one more time, I'm like mm -hmm. so sick of this. And and it was also like, it was the best thing I've ever done. I'm very proud that I did it. It went really well, but it was also the hardest thing I've ever done. And it was very up and down painful. And then additionally, because at the time, the way I worked my life was all around like hard, this belief that you must work hard or you must push yourself into the ground in order to succeed. And that would mean staying up till two or three in the morning sometimes and not sleeping enough and eating really bad and drinking caffeine too much and like getting into that roller coaster of like no self-care mm -hmm. just working my butt off pushing myself too hard and then you know on the side going and running like 18 miles and what happened is my body just it crashed like it literally and i i've seen this now like i've gotten multiple insights around this was this represents a whole way of you know, like I, I loved the community. I still do, you know, I'm still friends with many runners. Like yeah. I met some of my closest friends that way, but I think what I started to see was, you know, I already had started to notice this within a community, like people who would go on four hour runs every Saturday and avoid their family because they actually couldn't stand their wife, like things like that. I saw this all the time or someone who was just so miserable with every aspect of their life that the only way they could be happy was by going running a marathon every weekend. Mm -hmm. And it becomes like a, an unhealthy form of escapism, even though it's masked very well, it's masked so well as like, oh, this is super healthy, you're just running. And it's like, well, wait a second, no, you're actually still avoiding you know, what you need to face in your life. And I started noticing this way before my injury happened because I would see it all around me and I think for me, it was like the injury was showing me like, cause again, um, I can tell you some of their weird stories, like things started happening, like all like, cause I kept running for the following, you know, I still run now. I just not as much. Um, but I always ran like for the following few years, I just slowed it down and, you know, kind of balanced it out. But there was something that happened in 2017 where I was doing a run and it was not abnormal, just a regular August day, but it was hot. And somehow I got this like lung thing happen and I got sent to the emergency room. And um, that year there were just multiple things that kept happening to me, like mystery illnesses and like, you know, like 2013, 2015, 2017, 2016. Actually, I think it was 2016, the lung thing happened. Um, there was just so many different things that kept happening to me and they were all like, I started to see it all together where I was like, 
wait a second, this is all like the universe trying to tell me something. If you're getting sent to the ER, if you're getting debilitated by an injury, if you're constantly, your body doesn't lie, right? Mm -hmm. The body is waking you up and trying to speak to you about something. Mm -hmm. So I started really seeing like, okay, what I was doing in my life and what was happening in my body, everything was misaligned. Like I wasn't really happy in my business anymore. I was actually being pushed in a different direction, which is what I do now. Um, You know, I was burning myself out. I was having zero self-care. You know, I wasn't really into this anymore. And it was just kind of like, I always tell my clients this now. I'm like, if you don't do it first, the universe will do it for you. And it took like, for me, it took a lot of hard lessons to wake up and be like, okay, wait, I actually need to make some changes, Mm. not just with my body and exercise, but with like my entire lifestyle. And so I just kind of started doing it. Like I started, it, it, it was like, it just, everything started waking up and I was like, and again, like in 2016, I went down to Peru for the first time and had this really deep vision around like this pattern of suffering, like, and cause this is actually passed down from my, my family members as well, where it's that belief system of like, you must work hard. You don't get anything unless you pound yourself into the ground. You must work 24 seven or else you're never going to make money or, you know, things must be hard and you must suffer to get what you want, which is actually the not true. Like it's just a belief system with like a lot of our society. Right. Totally. And so the more I started seeing this and the more I was like, Oh, wait a second. Like this system is causing suffering in my life. It's basically causing me like it's, like that ER visit was like, kind of like, they're like, you might have a blood clot in your lung. Like it was pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a wake up call there to say like, well, wait a second, like I need to make some changes or else like I'm going to die. Like this is like, how much does it take for you to wake up and make some changes? And so yeah. that's when everything just started shifting after that. Like that's when there was like, you know, like I, I, like I already stood the mind, body, spirit connection but I really started paying attention to it. Like I always knew it, like I've been published actually in articles talking about it, but I never really took it like to that level of like, oh, wait a second, I actually have to do things different now. <laughs> like, Yeah, what was one of the first things that you started doing? Because I'm sure that a lot of people are listening to your story and thinking, crap, I'm in that yeah. moment. Like I can <laughs> feel that and I'm just avoiding it. So. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's in that place in their life right now, what's one way to clearly identify like, yes, listen to that intuition and the first step to take to follow through with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was just starting to recognize like, okay, what actually feels good and like, why am I doing it? Like, what is the intention behind all this? Like, you know, I loved running, but there was definitely points where I'm like, okay, it was a form of escapism or it was a form of like, you know, like always feeling like I'm never good enough. Like I I always felt like my body will never be perfect enough. So I constantly have to be running 18 miles, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there was a lot of shifts around like, well, wait, wait a second. Like, what if I am okay? Like, what if I am enough? What if I actually you know, I, I always used to say I ran because it made me feel good, which is true, but there was always this underlying piece. It was like yes. body, 
perfection, mm-hmm. getting faster, training harder, running longer. If it was like, if it's not a 50K, it's a 50 miler. If it's not a 50 miler, it's a hundred miler. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I was getting, I was on that path. So I started actually shifting my mind around what if I just did what felt good, period? Like, so I only did that. And then I also, um, you know, especially with this injury and body, it's, it's similar. Um, I used to have a lot of like hatred towards it. Like my, my injury was like my enemy, like, Oh my God, like, fuck you. I'm so mad. Like I can't, like there was the worst point it was at where it was like, I couldn't even sleep on, you know, like on that side or I couldn't sit or, um, so I hated it. I just hated the injury. And I started shifting the, the thought process around that to like, well, wait a second. Like I can, I actually need to love my body and I need to like love this back into place because the body always wants to come in a, you know, balance and, and wholeness and perfection, meaning like there's nothing actually wrong in the body. Right. And I knew that, like I had studied this, I had seen it, like I had understood it. Like when you work with psychedelics, it like will show you this and you're like, Oh, it totally makes sense. Like we can repair our body with our mind. And, but there I was like, doing all this stuff but not actually having the right like mental like spiritual relationship with the body and so that's when things started changing and also like you know I've said this for a few years now where I'm like wow the more I've actually just done like what inspires me what feels good what do I like to do what do I like to eat like you know of course I want to feel good I want to be energized like I've actually been way more healthier with this thought process and my body has been better. And I like, I never feel tired. Like I always have energy, you know, like 99% of the time. And, and now it just feels so much more balanced and it actually feels like, like I can look at my body and see that it's actually like healthier. Like I, it's, you know, I haven't had any like strange ailments, you know, like I haven't had like the injuries sometimes comes up, but like, usually it comes up if I'm, doing something that's unhealthy, like sitting still for eight hours a day, like, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like working too much. It actually comes up every time I work too much. And it's really interesting because I now see it as like, oh, it's a sign to tell me to stop working so much because I actually don't need to work that much. Like none of us do. So it's been, it's been a really deep spiritual journey and it's, like, it's so deep that it's, like, I did, um, last year I went to this, like, this cleanse center that's, like, it's a very deep spiritual cleanse where you cleanse your entire colon, and it's, there's all these, like, parasites and stuff that comes out, and, you know, I did it for, like, cleanse, but a huge part of it was this, like, spiritual cleanse, and part of the cleanse, we did a liver cleanse, and I could feel, like, and after the liver cleanse, they go down into, like, your the very end of your large intestine because it's 10 days and by then your your intestine is like your colon is completely like everything is cleaned out and I I was totally sober the whole time I started getting like visions like like downright like oh my god that's what this is like that's what this and like even like parasites it's like everything affects everything and I would I would actually see like I started to see like she, um, the woman that runs the cleanse center was, she looked at me the day I showed up and she's like, it's your liver and liver is the anger center. And, you know, like all these interconnections of like every center of our body is connected to our, our emotions and our spirit. And the second I did the liver cleanse, it was like my life completely changed. 
And I started like, I was like, oh my God, it's like everything interconnected, like self-anger, self-hatred, self-doubt, self-this. So now I just really try to take everything in such a holistic manner and balance, like keep that balance point. But my God, it's been like such a deep spiritual journey. It's not even funny. (laughs) And it's hard, you know, it's hard to not fall back into those patterns either. Like, you know, trust me right now, we're like, you know, it's only virtual yoga. And I'm like, damn, that sucks. Or, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to be lifting weights for a while. But, you know, like, so I I've noticed myself going into those patterns. Like, I actually thought to myself yesterday, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get fat. Because of the yeah. coronavirus. <laughs> because we're all at home. And then I was like, yeah. I live in a, like, I literally moved to where I live so I could go hiking and, and trail running. Like, there's trails surrounding me. Like, there's like three gigantic state parks nearby. And I'm like, you know, like that's my old crazy pattern that I don't relate to anymore. But it's funny because it comes up and I'm like, ah, like that's the old me that wants to like come back in and take over. But that's not the truth of who I am. And it's just, God, that it's like the ego. It's like, it's so powerful. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because it is, you know, I don't think that it's something that we talk about nearly enough when we do have these shifts in our life to become more imbalanced with ourselves and more joyful in our lives and just really embracing our body as it is. That doesn't mean that it doesn't still come up. That doesn't mean that it doesn't still create these old thought patterns sometimes. It's just a different way of moving through that. So I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that that's something that you still notice. Um, I'm curious with this I want to call it almost an identity shift. I don't think it's a loss because I think it's still a part of you, but Beth, this just seemed like it was such a huge piece of your life. Like this community that you were a part of running that long for so many days out of the week, the business that you were building. So you have this moment where you realize, okay, something has to change and I'm going to be intentional with that next step. But how did that shift your relationships and how did that, how did it start to impact just how you saw yourself in this world? And did you find any kind of loss or mourning or, or was it just a really trans transitional process that was easier for you? Totally. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because it coincided with so much other stuff that was happening. So I had accidentally fallen into business coaching and started getting clients and was like, oh, you know, like kind of opening up to the idea that like, maybe I'm here to do something else. Mm. Like, even though I thought my running brand was like the be all end all of my entire career. Um, So that was happening. And then I, you know, I had already been pretty deep on a spiritual path, but I had been working really deeply with plant medicines and that was waking up a lot in me. And I had already considered moving. Um, you know, like there was just this part of me that like, I worked from home, I got to do whatever I wanted. So I was like, why do I even live in New York City anymore? Like, I'd been there for 20 years and kind of wasn't feeling it for many years before then. And I actually wanted to be out near trails and be closer to nature because I actually loved trail running, like trail running was my number one thing. So there were a lot of like, questions already coming up. And Again, I think because, you know, even being in that community, it was amazing. It was a great community, but you would see people 
kind of going through versions of this a lot. Like some people would get so injured that they couldn't run anymore. Some people would move away. Some people would have babies in their entire running career. Their running path would change. Um, you know, like, of course, then there were just like, I mean, there's so many more things that would come up. And, um, you know, I, it was, I actually used to, I was like, I should publish an article about this. Like there's a dark side of it, you know, like there's a dark side to that whole running industry in itself. Like, I mean, there's even been articles published around like Nike and competitive running. And I started just because I worked in the industry, I started seeing it and I actually got more and more discouraged and more and more like, well, wait a second, like maybe this isn't what it was cracked up to be. And so I started kind of I, th I see it as like, yeah, there's a definite identity crisis. Like this is the same thing that happened when I actually, I went through this when I started taking up marathon running, all my party friends are like, what do you mean you're going home at 10 PM? Cause you have a run at 6 AM. Oh, so you already went yeah. through that. Oh my God. I went through yeah. it with like, yeah. with my like, and the irony is like, they used to make fun of me and be like, oh, you're such, you're so lame going running. And of course, like four of them have run marathons by now. Um, but I, I just started like coming into myself, like coming to my truer version of myself. Like, and you know, of course it's definitely, it's always a transition, you know, but I had been taking up like getting really deep into meditation and joining a bunch of, you know, like my goddess women communities and spiritual communities and kind of traveling a lot and kind of doing my own thing. And so I kind of, things started shifting anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think like when I moved, you know, by then I was kind of just like, whatever, like, you know, it got to the point where I, like, there was actually, I went through, like, I did like a ritual around like when I decided to close my business. Cause that was actually the hardest part too, was like, I was seen as this, like, you know, like expert, like I used to, you know, I was interviewed in the New York post and all these right. magazine articles and, but you know, I was never really much more of an expert than anyone else. I was just very vocal. Um, but so there was definitely something around that, but there was totally. also like, I knew a lot of it was about coming into like this deeper level of like who I truly am. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it's kind of the same thing with like being a partier. Like, yes, I still go dancing. Yes. I still like to go to certain parties. Yes. I still drink. Yes. Occasionally I'll do like recreational something or other, like once in a blue moon, like I, I would look, you know, like Burning Man, I'll go to Burning Man once in a while. So it's not like I'm closed with that chapter forever it's about now like okay how do I get a balance like I just ran this weekend but I didn't run 18 miles with mm -hmm. suffering involved I ran because it was a beautiful day and I combined it with hiking mm -hmm. you know and I ran purely for like oh I feel like running right now and that's mm -hmm. it so it was definitely a deep journey but I think what happened was like it's just part of the human the human evolution and path to coming into that like truth of self-love and self-compassion and self-awareness and also like wholeness mm -hmm. like really integrating all of it like being okay with my body like being and and of course like the more all this started happening it's like all these amazing things started happening like I fell madly in love with like the best guy on earth and mm. I manifested the perfect home I live in this beautiful area with all these trails I you know like yeah. my business is on fire and it's like I do believe it's, it's kind of that alignment, but if I hadn't gone through that really deep journey, I would, and ironically, my, my partner, he's a body-based therapist oh, wow. and then he, he does body somatic therapy, psychotherapy. And, you know, I started understanding like nervous system and like 
internal like energy systems better and like you know how to move energy and like how it all works and I'm like oh like now it just makes everything makes sense and if I hadn't gone through all this deep deep journey like I would not be able to understand like how to live now mm-hmm. so I'm actually really grateful for it but I can see you know especially as a woman it's like it's such a weird world you know like and thank god people like you are out there changing the conversation but I was like man that that is unfortunately like what a lot of us have to go through to wake up and snap out of like it's like being a prisoner you know it's like a prisoner to an illusion that is unhealthy and it's it doesn't make anybody happy like at all you know well, I, yeah, I totally agree. I do think that it's like being a prisoner in your body sometimes, especially when you get all of that confirmation around you and that collective community of we're all doing this. This is the right thing. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And all of those like minds, which can be great in some aspects, but incredibly harmful and just dysregulating of your own intuition and your own sense of yourself and whatnot. So let's zoom the lens back for women who are not there yet, who are just hearing this and getting that panicky Mm. feeling like, I know something has to change. Like I, I'm just scared to change it. Like I don't, I feel like that deer in the headlights feeling coming over me right now. Yeah what do you feel like is the best piece of advice for somebody who's at that place in their body and who feels so connected to the form of exercise that's really keeping them in that, in that state? Yeah. I think, um, you know, for me, what worked the best was like, you know, again, this all coincided with going really deep into daily meditation and daily spiritual practice and self-awareness and a compassion practice. And, also starting to quiet all those other voices, like, you know, the communities, the media, the Instagrams, the this and that, like the comparison. And actually my, my ex-boyfriend coined this term, which I had never heard before, but compare despair. Yeah. And so I just quit the comparing and was like, Oh, okay. Like, what if I just listened to me, myself and I, and nothing else. And that's what I recommend for people is really like going deep into the intuitive knowing self, which always knows what's right, like always knows the truth. And always, if you, if you like start to feel into your body, like I've been working with a somatic therapist for many years, which helped this process, but all the exercises, they're basically mindfulness exercises that get you in your body. And I also had done a Vipassana, which is all about body awareness meditation. And also you know, all of this combined is just about feeling into yourself and listening to like, okay, like I used to be a vegetarian for like a million years. And then all of a sudden I started feeling in my body that my body wanted meat. Mm -hmm. And so now that's how I eat. I base, I base what I eat off of like, okay, what do I feel right now? Like what would feel good? What do I, you know, do I need extra protein right now or do I need extra vegetables? I also like, am very aware of the seasons around us and like being in tune with that. Like I, again, like I don't even know much about Chinese medicine, but I know the premise of, you know, seasonal and like balance. And, and that's where I really recommend people to go inward and, and, you know, work with someone like Caitlin, of course, but you know, like it's, it's, it's a very deep inward journey into like just listening to yourself, like knowing that you're a sovereign being and no media and no hive mind 
is going to tell you what's right for you. And if you know, and like if eventually, like, because again, I've witnessed this around me in so many different formats. Is like if you don't go inside, like you know, the universe will start making you go there. Like you'll be confined to your bed for six months, or you will be you know, back injury where you're in a cast, like I've seen everything. Like I knew someone in one of those brain head injury things, like, yeah, yeah. I've seen it all. And if, like that to me is the universe telling you to like, okay, it's time to slow down and get into your body and feel what it is you actually need to be doing. And I think just tapping into that intuition and deep self-compassion, like it's, I mean, it's taken it's to me, it's a constant practice. Like I catch myself mm -hmm. with the negative self-talk once in a while. And I'm like, ah, like, but it's taken years to, to practice like self-love, self-compassion, body love, body compassion. And, you know, same thing with food to like eat food, all foods, including quote, bad foods and be okay. And like, right. and actually like the cleanse center I went to, like she really, talked a lot about the energetics of how we eat and like to like okay if I'm gonna go eat like Oreos or like Doritos which I don't do but I don't know once in a while maybe like once every few years but if I'm gonna eat a Dorito you know there's an energy if I go to put it in my body knowing that I'm like talking bad to myself like you shouldn't be eating this this is so bad for you like you're gonna get fat or I could just actually love it and like have compassion and kindness and be like approaching it with this sense of like, okay, I'm eating my once every four years Doritos and I'm going to love every aspect of it. And yeah, I that, love that energy works. Like, and that's where I've tried to approach, like I eat chocolate, like almost daily. I eat some form of Same. sweetener, <laughs> like maple syrup or whatever. Yeah, and I'm chocolate. like, I just love it. You know, I just, I take such a different approach. So I would really, you know, like, and you can't do it alone. Like, you know, if I had known Caitlin back then, but I had worked with multiple like therapists and, you know, meditation teachers and Buddhism and went on retreats and did like plant, med I mean, I did everything. And, and so it's not, it's not something you could essentially do alone. I don't think, I mean, it's really hard to do it alone. But. I agree. I mean, I had, I had, and still have so much support because rebuilding that trust in your body. And I just appreciate everything that you said, because it really is building back that body trust that has been totally dysregulated, especially by the society that we're just living in right now, because we're getting all of these messages that are not our own from every single direction. And so one of the things that really resonated that you shared is just letting go of those voices that aren't serving you where you can, because there are only so many things that we can control in our day and the information that we choose to surround ourselves with and the people that we choose to surround ourselves with and the voices and yeah. just how many things we're exposing ourselves to that is something that we have control over yeah. and so i i'm right there with you i think that if somebody is just starting out and you know not even on this spiritual path and doesn't even have that vision in their future or anything yeah. just empowering yourself with the information and the content that you are bringing in and also the people that you're surrounding yourself with the you know how how the women in your life are talking about their bodies how they're talking about their relationships with food their relationships with with exercise and life and joy and all of these things and that doesn't necessarily mean 
just doing a friend detox, but it absolutely will give you the opportunity to bring in more people who are more aligned with this compassionate voice. So I I really appreciate you saying that. Before we wrap up, I want to just shift into what you currently do now and how this business is different than the running business that you had and, and what that looks like in terms of how you live your life and how you're showing up for the clients that you serve now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, no, it's really, it's funny because like I said, I was kind of fell into this, was pushed into it by the universe. Um, so I'm a business coach now. I work with mostly aspiring, newer entrepreneurs, coaches, spiritual leaders, healers, um, and I help them start and grow their business so they can really help people and create an income doing what they absolutely love. And you know, I usually call myself a spiritually aligned business coach. I bring a lot of spiritual and mindset practices into what I do, but I'm also very grounded in reality and want people to make money doing what they love. So yeah, um, I will just say that's one yeah. of the things that I love the most about you is that you are so, you do have that really <laughs> unique balance of just practicality and no BS and getting stuff done. And then the spiritual elements to really just support and the heart centered position and all this too. So sorry, I just had to say. No, no, that's, that's something I pride myself on. It's actually in my astrological makeup. So I go, I can get super woo, but I'm also like, yo guys, like you need yeah. a business that makes money and you actually can help people. It's not about just, you know, cause again, it's balance and this is a huge, it's the center of what I teach. Like every approach I take is based in this idea of it's like both energies, like the masculine and feminine energies you need to co-create to bring anything forward. Meaning yes, you need some hard work, but it's not about being overly imbalanced. Like I used to be all masculine like work, 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 work. I, you know, it's like the whole New York city thing. Or then there's people that are like purely like, Oh, I'm just going to meditate and hopefully I'll make money. I'm like, okay, well that only works to a point. So you have to have this center approach and that's essentially what I teach with my clients. And, you know, I do group and private coaching. I have a mastermind program and, you know, like I said, this happened because you know, I had the running clothing business for many years. And before that I actually had started another business. And before that I helped early stage startups start and scale their business. So for many years I had people asking me like, how'd you do it? I want to do it too. Like, please help me. And so I kind of fell into this without trying, like, you know, I never really put effort into it until I actually had a few clients. And then I was like, you know, maybe there's something to this, but, um, so I do believe it was this, you know, the universe pulling me in a direction that I had to go in. Mm. And, you know, what's really funny is I do, I still do believe a lot in, you know, body and movement and intuition, like a huge part of what I teach is really feeling into, you know, it has to feel good mm-hmm. because if it doesn't feel good, like what's the point, you know, we're not here to, to be suffering. And and it's funny, like I mentioned, like my partner is actually a body-based psychotherapist and a huge part of what he does is around like feeling into the body and moving energy and, you know, like where do things manifest? Like where are you feeling the anxiety or the pain or the stress or the, the, the desire to eat imbalance? Like it's all around the body. Like to me, this is actually the future of where the entire world is going is going to be around the body. Yes. Like the Buddha, the Buddha had talked about this. This is what Vipassana meditation is. And I'm like, it's just really amazing. So I actually do weave a lot of this into my business coaching, believe it or not, because 
you know, if people are not grounded and in their bodies and centered, they're operating from a place that's, you know, it's their head usually. And it's not, it's not a good place to make decisions. It's not a place to actually work from. And so this whole journey has guided me and shaped in what I teach my clients. And I've seen like my, I, I always like joke around about this, but even my clients that do the very minimal of like the actual work, like the masculine work, as long as they're really like in touch with their hearts and in touch with their intuitions and following the path of like the least resistance, like the joy path, they actually will get like clients and results without seemingly doing anything. Like, because they're in oh, that point. I love that you said that. Yeah. Like there's always, and I'm like, you can get to this point, but it is about, it's everything. It's a very holistic uh, approach. Like, well, it's, isn't that true about yeah. life though? Like, it's when everything. We, yeah. When we just surrender and we trust, and especially when we have that trust in our bodies and we really feel so intrinsically connected with them it does just become easier yeah. to live Flow. life. It just flows. Oh. Like the work that you do, the people that you surround yourself with, the happiness you experience, all these things. And so I'm just so grateful that you're in a position where you're educating on that and leading by example too, because, you know, I do think it's really interesting um, how your story has shifted from one that just feels like, work, 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 heavy, intense, just type A, running, you know, 24-hour business, all of these things to how you live your life now where it is more trusting and open and just connected with yourself and your community. And like, if I know everyone's getting to know you, but you are killing it in your uh, business right now. Uh, like you really are. And honestly, for anybody listening to, please go to Beth's website because she has been in the post shape magazine, all of these different summits. Like she is a girl boss and uh, knows her stuff. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate that about you. Like you're very, you've, you live your life in a big way and you lead by example mm. and it's empowering and encouraging. So Aww, thank yeah. you so much. And I'm yeah. so glad you're getting these messages out. Seriously. Like, well, as, as astrology basically says the next, like, I think we have like six more years, but it's all about the body, like Uranus and Taurus, which was a major transit that happened in 2018. It's going to be around for, I think it's seven or eight years. It's, I think, and especially, you know, we're doing this interview during this coronavirus thing. And um, I think, you know, my partner and I were talking about, like, a lot of this is about this disconnection that a lot of humans have to their bodies, you know, like the relationships and how important it is to actually start listening to ourselves, because that's all there is really, like, in the yeah. end, like, yes, get some guidance, get support, because it's really hard to do all this alone. But at the same time, you have to go inward. Like you have to feel into it and get grounded into your body and the earth and like that connection. And that's when everything just, this is like, it's a metaphor for life. Like it's all just a metaphor. And I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot wait for the whole world to learn this. Cause it's so important. Like it this is. to me is like the root of our problems in a lot of our society. It's like the, the disconnection of body and like the fact that everybody's just in their head and it's like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Well then it, it also, what we were saying before too, it just, you stop feeling so stressed out all the time and so guilty and anxious around everything that you're 
putting in your body because you look at it through a different lens and you have a different relationship with, with your body and food and all of these things. So yeah, I appreciate you so Aww. much. Before we wrap up, I have some fun questions that I always ask everybody that yeah. I would love to go through with you. Is that cool? cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Cool. So this is our girl talk section. So <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us about your morning routine? What does it look like? Yeah. Um, so usually it's wake up with like gratitude, which <clears throat> some days I'm not good at, but I mostly have trained myself to go straight into gratitude right away. Um, and then depending on the day lately, I've been on a cacao dieta. This friend of mine leads these, um, it's almost like a shamanic spiritual diet with the, the spirit of cacao. So I've been drinking hot cacao drinks every morning for the last like month and a half. Nice. Um, and connecting to the spirit of cacao. And so I make this cacao drink and then I go into meditation. And I've also been doing this chanting work with another friend of mine that's a vocal alchemist and it's amazing, like next level. And it's actually interesting because I thought it was just chanting and spiritual, but it's actually physical science to like how it actually affects your vibration. And I'm that's telling awesome. you, ever since I've been doing this, I've been manifesting like madness. And so I do that, and um, right now during coronavirus, I'm doing it extra long. Um, and then from there, you know, then I usually go about my day. Like, I usually do most of my exercises in the morning. Um, you know, sometimes in the winter, I'll, like, if it's freezing cold out, I'll go do the hiking-type outdoorsy exercises when it's warmer in the middle of the day. But usually mm -hmm. I do, like, yoga or weights or, um, you know, walk, run, some kind of, you know, like I actually got a bike and as soon as <laughs> it's like freezing today and like warm yesterday, but, um, I don't bike in the freezing cold yet, but so okay. I do try to always incorporate <laughs> some kind of movement into the morning. Cause I, I just feel like it makes me have a better day. So that's essentially okay. the gist of my routine. Like the, the, the non-negotiables are meditation though. Definitely. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That. If you were going to switch careers with guaranteed success and joy right now, what would you do? I would just be a farmer. Oh, I love that. I would be a farmer or a gardener, like, or a landscaper, like something literally just like hands outside dirt, plants. Yeah. And <laughs> you live in a place where that's totally possible now. Yeah, it is. It's completely possible. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Who knows? I love that. So this is kind of been the theme of our whole conversation, which I absolutely love, but just in a couple of words, how would you define self-care? Oh gosh. Yeah. Divining self-care, you know, for me, I've been, it's, it's really funny. It's kind of like going inward and having a conversation with this part of yourself. Like it could be almost your inner child, like this, this deeper part of yourself. That's like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Mm -hmm. Constantly asking, like, what do you feel? What do you need? What would make you feel better? What would make you happy? And some days it's like doing absolutely nothing. And some days it's like, oh, today I'm really inspired and I actually want to work a lot, you know, or it's a bath or it's like, oh, it's beautiful out. I'm going to go outdoors or, you know, whatever. Like, so to me, the self-care is a deep, deep listening to what I, my body is asking for. And then also like not, not feeling guilty over actually acting on it. Cause that's always the other thing that used to come up is like, oh, I can't, I can't like, as my boyfriend puts it, he's like, you should just go watch movies in the middle of the day. And I'm like, well, I don't really, usually my self care doesn't ask for that, but like, that's his form of self care is like, yeah. I'm going to veg on the sofa and watch YouTube. I'm like, okay. 
Yeah. But for me, it is, it's, it's really just about giving what I feel internally is being asked for and then giving it to my body without having any like doubts or guilt or, you know, struggle around it. Love that so much. What's one wellness trend that you wish would disappear? Oh God, where do I begin? (laughs) Um, I mean, thankfully I feel like a lot of the stuff that I used to like roll my eyes disappearing. Um, you know, the one thing that I used to see in New York a lot that I am so thankful because where I live now, it's totally different kind of yoga. Um, the one thing I would say in New York is that whole like teaching yoga. Like there was one guy that I went to once ever at this one yoga center that I actually generally respect, but he's just one particular teacher. And I could not believe how hard he was pushing the class, the regular class. And the amount of, to a point where I've actually had a friend with him who had a spinal injury from doing yoga that screwed her up for like six years. And I saw him doing these poses, like half the room was in child's pose. Cause I was like, man, this guy is pushing it way too hard and not, you know, like they should actually call it like a super advanced class. And I really, I'm a, cause I've been doing yoga since 1996 mm-hmm. and I'm not amazing, but I do know like sure. the rights and wrongs. And I was like, why are people injuring people? Like there's some really irresponsible teachers out there who I think push, push it a little too far. And there is to me a balance point between like trying something new and challenging our body, of course, but not to the point of potential like spinal injury or other kind of injuries or like even the psyche behind, you know, that. And I actually do believe, you know, like the original intention for yoga, like thankfully a lot of the teachers I go to weave the original intention, which is it's about calming your mind. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like about balancing your body. It's not about do yoga so much that you look like a model and can do Instagram poses. Like I wish the Instagram yoga poses would actually go away. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I get it. If you're a yoga teacher, fine. <laughs> I get it. I feel you. I feel <laughs> you. And it's also, I, we could have a whole other conversation on this because when you are in that disordered mind <clears throat> around food and your body, that type of yoga just perpetuates and causes so much harm. And yeah. it's really hard to realize when you're pushing yourself and can do some major, major, major harm to your body. And, so um, fully, yeah. fully agree with you. Um, <laughs> Do you have a signature dinner party dish? So if somebody calls you on the phone and is like, get over here, what are you going to bring? <laughs> I, so I have a dish that's kind of, it's, it's kind of a joke. It's called CSA Surprise. Um, so I've, <laughs> I've been part of CSAs for years, Community Supported Agriculture, mm-hmm. if people know. And, um, and for many years, I would have friends over and they're like, oh, and I'd just be like, well, I'm making like CSA surprise, meaning like whatever's available from the farm and like whipping something up. So I usually do well with it. Like it usually tastes good. I actually started an Instagram um, hashtag many, many years ago. There's probably like only 10 posts. But so I do things like that where I'll be Wait, like, what's oh, the hashtag? I think it was actually called... Um, <laughs> I think it was actually called CSA Surprise. Let me look okay. it up. I it's like way yeah, in my old probably. Instagram, but okay. so that's one thing. But no, I usually am the the kind of person that will bring the vegetable dish. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I do. I actually literally get my produce from a farm that I can see out my window right now. It's crazy. Um, so I will bring 
like I try to do something unique and like usually bring something that blows people's minds. Like, have you had radishes that ever taste like this? Like try this. Um, what's your favorite way to season vegetables or what people, I get this question a lot. So I love, love sharing. Yeah. When you have really high quality produce that's grown in like, I mean, I'm just so grateful. Like these people are down the street and there's another farm I get my other summer CSA from that's five minutes away. Um, to me, when you have the high quality produce, like you don't really need much. So I will do, um, whether I cook it or not, like doesn't matter, but I'll just do like really good Maldon salt, like yeah. high quality salt with like okay. high quality olive oil. Like usually I'll splurge. Like I have, I have the cooking olive oil and then I'll have like the, the dressing olive oil. That's like the really good stuff. That's like super spicy. So usually just like a high salt, you know, like sometimes a good pepper, like, but I'm very particular about like the seasonings I use. Like I, right now, most of my herbs are actually herbs that I grew and dried. So it's like, okay, if I put time on something, it's my own time. Um, but I, over the years have become more of a minimalist because to me, it's like when you have a really damn good carrot, like that carrot doesn't need to be masked by 20 different things. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I will say is if you ever, I don't know if you've ever been to ABCB in New York City. It's just like, uh, nobody heard of it. I oh my God. Mm -hmm. If I could figure out how to pull off vegetables like they do, like, and I actually have talked to them and been like, how do you do this? I don't know if they have a cookbook yet, but mm. they'll use like 50 different tiny ingredients, mm. like salt and spice and nuts and this and that. And it tastes like mind-blowing like their vegetables are next level cool but even then it's like that's the opposite spectrum of simplicity you know so yeah um, so I'm either like all or nothing <laughs> I love that yeah um what's one book or resource that changed your relationship with food or your body um you know, I was given the book, The Body Never Lies, a million years ago. Um, like, I actually think it was an old therapist that gave it to me. Mm. So that was one of them, just because it was my first insight into, like, oh, the body actually, like, is filled with all the information we need. Um, and then another book that I recommend to everybody who runs, period, and everyone who's starting to get into running is called Chi Running. It was actually, um, it was the, when I started implementing that method of running, it was the first, like, it, like I quit getting injured. But the one thing I like about that book is it's a very holistic way of running. It's actually, it's, it's almost not about running. It's about like the connection of breath and visualization and mm -hmm. balance with the earth and gravity. And it's basically speaking about the human nature, like the, the natural um, tendency to run as a human. And when you actually do their methodology, which is very simple, it's just these minor tweaks, like it actually just makes sense. So that book changed a lot. Um, and then, you know, there's um, the Eastern Body, Western Mind book. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't remember the full title of it, but it's pretty classic. And, okay. you know, that and um, the work of Carolyn Miss that talks about like the energy systems and all the chakras, like when I finally... Like, you know, I've always known about the chakras doing yoga, but when I finally got it and started like working with the chakras and understanding how it all works, I'm like, oh, okay, now I get the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, so those books have been the cool. best for me. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, okay. Probably the most important question of this whole conversation. 
what's the last TV series that you watched or one that you would recommend? For, oh my God. For our Friday night scrolling when we're on the couch spending hours going through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all the things. Okay, so what's really funny is I wrote a Facebook post the other day last week about this saying, hey guys, I just subscribed to Netflix for the first time in like 15 years. Um, so it and wasn't me. It was actually I love my you. I know. I, so it's really weird. I like, I'm, I don't totally live under a rock, but I hadn't done Netflix in, I don't know how long. And, um, you know, like we, like my partner and I will watch movies, like whatever, like Amazon or whatever it is, like random. Um, but I just haven't been in on the Netflix thing. So he, he got it a few months ago and I was like, trying to find just some old movie that he had never seen. I was like, you have to see this. And I was like, why can't I find a movie? So I posted about this on Facebook last week saying, hey guys, how do I find a movie on Netflix? And all these people are like, no, you have to watch series. And so I got all these series recommendations and I'm going nice. to try to give them a try. But the irony is um, my partner's sister actually is a Netflix series producer out in Denmark. <laughs> and I was like, oh, these oh series are supposed to, I mean, everybody says they're good. I just haven't been in on any. Um, I'm excited for you. Your mind is- I know. My, I'm scared. I'm scared. Well, like, let we'll me read to... my gardening books first. <laughs> we'll have to do a follow-up call on what you've watched and um, if you need any recommendations. But this has been such a fun conversation. And- Aww. I just appreciate you taking the time and just your honesty and vulnerability and just talking about your relationship with your body in a way that I know a lot of women are going to really resonate with, especially as it relates to the running community. And, and also I, I just want to, I know that you feel this way too, because we've kind of touched on this, but this does not mean that running is bad. I mean, you said that you yeah. go for runs yourself and, um, so we're not demonizing that community. I just appreciate no. your outlook on what isn't necessarily being talked about right now. Yeah. So thank yeah. you so much. No, it's good. It makes me wonder if anybody's out there talking about this yet. <laughs> I, well, we're talking about it here and that makes me really excited. And so where can everybody connect with you if they want more information on working with you or just to keep having a conversation like this and just get your opinions or just support on things? Totally, totally. It's bethaweinstein.com is my website. I'm also on Facebook, just under Beth Weinstein. I'm friends with Caitlin. I'm on Instagram, same thing, Beth A. Weinstein. I'm pretty much Googleable all over the internet. And um, yeah, you know, totally feel like reaching out. And unfortunately, I actually let my running brand website go. Actually, back in January of this year, I finally did the like forever gone thing, which mm. was mixed feelings, but yeah. was not keeping it up anyway. So, um, but I know there's still some information out there. And if anybody needs information, like I actually still have this passion for running. I just, you know, so yeah. I'm available to answer any questions anyone has, or I'd be curious to know if anyone's talking about this. Cause I've always wondered, I'm like, why is no one talking about the dark side of running? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really we'll grateful. <laughs> yeah. I'm really grateful we're talking about it here. So thank you, Beth. I appreciate you. And thank you. We'll have you again soon. Thank you, Caitlin. Bye. Great being here. Bye. That's 
our show. Thank you to our producer, Matt Iski, our show manager, Shayla Anderson. If you want to stay connected to the Modern Girl community and learn more about our show guests, click the show notes of this episode. And if this conversation resonated with you, throw a five-star rating and review our way so that we can keep spreading the Modern Girl message with more women. And one last thing, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can save time and stay on top of the new episode each week. I'm sending you so much love, wisdom, and strength. Talk to you soon.